This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stoney's Brewing, the official beer of Steeler Conversation. Join our, dis- join our discussion and crack a Stoney's. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and today we have the pleasure of having one of SteelerNation.com sports writers, Matt Papiernik. Matt, it's a pleasure finally having you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a pleasure being able to join you. Great. It's your first time on the podcast, so for the Steeler Nation listeners out there, I'd like to at least uh, let everybody know and, and, and let us know Hey, you know, how did you become a Steeler fan? Where are you currently living, and uh, and where are you from? Oh well, I became a Steeler fan kind of at an early age. So uh, mm-hmm. my stepfather is actually from the Pittsburgh area. He was born and raised there. So growing up with him, he kind of definitely gave me that uh, Steeler side of him. You know, especially growing up, his family working in a steel mill and everything really gave that whole Pittsburgh Steeler attitude to it. As awesome. well, yeah. And then uh, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, so I grew up only about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes outside of Pittsburgh, kind of the middle point between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So growing up, going to school and everything, a lot of my friends were Browns fans, mm. and I kind of wanted to go against the grain a bit. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of that little bit of a rebel, so <laughs> kind of wanted to go with their uh, their rivals as well. So you know, grew up Steelers fan, and kind of stuck with me, you know, through the 25 years that I've been on this earth. So. And every day it seems like I'm becoming more and more of a fan, even as I move further away from Pittsburgh with my journeys through Columbus and then now down towards Cincinnati. You know, I'm less and less Steelers fans where I go, but <laughs> still seems that there's a strong following of the people that are here. Nice. And, and at least in all those areas that you go, those teams are familiar with who the Steelers are and those other fans. So because <laughs> because you're in direct oh, rival territory with the both the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, another cool thing that we discussed a little bit off the phone is, is you told me you went to Ohio State. And I know a lot of Steelers have come from Ohio State. And uh, which, which uh, players were there when you were there? And, um, and, and basically, uh, how involved were you with watching Ohio State football? So I, I was big in watching Ohio State football. You know, I attended a lot of the games. It was totally different, different atmosphere and when you're in that big college stage versus an NFL stage. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more people involved, you know, I mean, you're talking 110,000 people at the game versus, yeah. you know, the 50, 60,000 there on NFL game. Oh yeah. So, and a lot more, uh, I want to say diehard fans cause you got all the alumni and everything, you know, you don't just got the family following of, you know, passing it down to your generation. You've got all the people that went there. So yeah. you get a bigger atmosphere, but as far as the members of Ohio state that were there when I was there, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head if there's a whole lot on the Steelers roster right now. I know uh, they drafted Duran Grant in the fourth round a couple years ago, yeah. and he was there. I actually played against him in high school. Oh, nice. Yeah, because he went to Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary. I played against him. Nice. Um, 
I can't really say I played against him. I was only a sophomore at the time, so I kind of watched him play against <laughs> my uh, friends and teammates. But very. And then uh, I know several others that are in the NFL, but Cameron Hayward, he yeah. graduated, uh, I think, the year before I went to Ohio State. So nice. he's obviously been a great addition for the Steelers. I know the Steelers love their players from the Big Ten. They love that uh, yeah, up-north football, that hard-nosed football, so. Yeah, and it helps you get used to the weather in Pittsburgh as well. I mean, whether you're coming from Wisconsin or Iowa or Indiana or Penn State or Ohio, obviously, or Michigan, I mean, they can deal with cold weather because they deal with it the entire school year and their entire college career. So it's a, I think that's a nice transition and knowing that you can work in that and work hard in that environment, which helps the Steelers, you know, pick some good players from the Big Ten, like you're saying. Oh, definitely, especially because a lot of those Big Ten teams, they fit that. You know, the personality Steelers like to have that uh, tough defense, hard nose, grinded out players. Oh, yeah. You know, maximum effort. Well, it's really working out with T.J. Watt right now, I'll tell you that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, Hopefully Devin Bush can follow in those footsteps. Oh, my gosh. Fingers crossed, man. He looks like he's going to be the real deal, and it's, you know, really important that the, and, and exciting that the Steelers drafted and moved up in the draft so high to grab him to move into the top ten because that's – our first top 10 pick in a long time. <laughs> I mean, our closest was Ben oh, yeah. at 11, I think, for uh, since before then. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a real long time since we were even sniffing the top 10. Yeah, and one player I forgot to mention who went to Ohio State while I was there, I believe I was a freshman his last year, if not maybe I was a senior in high school, Ryan Chazier. You know, sometimes oh, I forget gosh. that yeah. he's a member of the active roster, but, yeah. you know. You just don't always think about it because we're putting out all these, you know, articles and talking about all these players, you know, with training camp open and everything. Forget that he, you know, was part of the reason why Devin Bush is on the team. That is true. I think they've they've finally found an answer to since they've lost Ryan, of course, to the to the spinal injury. It's been yeah. really tough sledding for them to try to find. They tried to do it with stopgaps last year. Uh, I know that they did try to move up in the draft last year to grab an inside linebacker. That news did come out, and Colbert did mention that. But we don't necessarily know who it was, whether it was um, uh, Van Der Esch or whether it was uh, – oh, who's the second guy that they were looking at? Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Evans out of yes. Uh, yes. Alabama on Tennessee now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, hopefully it was for Van Der Esch because he had an excellent season. But <laughs> it looks like Bush is yeah. kind of in the mold. Of a, of a Van Der Esch type player um, uh, with being very fast and, and, and um, athletic. Um, I, I don't know if this how the size compares personally, but I, I know that they're both known for their extremely high spark numbers and um, making a lot of plays on the field from that center position and, the, and from the linebackers. Yeah, and, definitely. And they were both, you know, leaders of their de respective defenses that both performed well. So it's always good to have someone in that center that can – kind of make sure everyone's in the right spots and kind of think almost a play ahead. Yeah, and, and it speaks, too, uh, to being a leader, like you're saying also, Matt. Um, from what I'm reading from uh, training camp, they're throwing Bush right into the middle. Every time he's on the field, he's calling the plays. So that's huge to hear, to have a guy that's, you know, a rookie, step right in, that's used to being a leader all throughout his college career, and now he's – thrust into a leadership position again so it's it's nice to to know i mean understand that he is a rookie and he's probably going to make a couple mistakes here and there but if he's coming out and, and understanding the plays and getting everybody in the right places 
that's going to really speak highly too with with the fact that the Steelers moved up to grab a guy that can handle that load. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of expectations, but I think he'll be able to at least handle some of them. Nice. Nice. And I wanted to also touch base because on SteelerNation.com, we're both writers, and you just wrote an article on the top 100 fantasy players on SteelerNation.com. Please travel over there and check out all top 100 uh, fantasy players for all the fantasy players out there. And um, I just had a couple questions for you on that as well. Um, how do you do your metrics, and, and how do you decide who the top 100 players are generally? Um, it's it's definitely more of an art than a science. I mean, obviously, you can go through uh, previous years and depth charts coming into the year, but it's ultimately, for a lot of the players, it's right time, right place, right time. So just because they're a talented player doesn't necessarily mean they're going to contribute to fantasy. So you definitely got to look at their situation because you got some players that, you know, have a mental talent. If they were on better teams, they would soar up the rankings. But, you know, sometimes they're just in a situation where they don't get the ball some others and got to kind of take everything into consideration and not just rely on who's the better player. That's true. That's true. So how many Steelers are in your top 100? Uh, unfortunately, I need to double check. I believe it's only two as of right now. Okay. Actually, three. I forgot. I have Dante Moncrief slid in at the end there. Gotcha. So, so you have... yeah, so both uh, James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously, they're up near the top, both in the top 20. James Conner right in the top 10, and then Juju Smith-Schuster in the mid-teens. Then Dante Moncrief sitting there in the low 90s. So, mm. you know, it's a bit of a different landscape. You know, you're used to seeing AB in the first round, Le'Veon in the first round. Yeah. A lot of people always put Ben near in the top 100. Mm. You know, and then Juju last year joining them. So it's a bit of a different makeup this year compared to the years past. And that is important, too, that you have uh, Moncrief on the roster or on the, in the top 100. And I think it's a good choice, personally, could, because coming in at what looks like it's going to be, he's going to be starting in the X receiver position, which is where A.B. was last year. And the X receiver is going to get a lot of balls. Um, they're, they're known to, you know, possess the ball, extend the chains, make plays, and, and do it both both quickness and, and, and with their feet and with their hands. So... I think with his pedigree and what he's had and what he's shown he could do previously with with luck, um, I think he's a good choice if he's thrust back into being able to play with a quarterback the caliber of Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's really going to show his numbers and show that that he's he may be moving up the charts there. He might not be uh, you know starting the season. He may be starting the season in the nineties, but you know conceivably he could he could pull up into the twenties or thirties um, by the end of the year. So it might be a value pick for a lot of people out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you've seen the Steelers last year. They were able to have two top six, top seven receivers with both Juju and A.B. both performing tremendously. And so with all those balls, you know, departing from all the passes that went to A.B., all the passes that went to Jesse James, all the passes that went to some other guys, they, they got a lot of targets to share around. So if Moncrief can step up and really seize that number two role, you know, he definitely has a lot of upside there. Nice. So how far would you have Ben Roethlisberger, I guess, out of the top 100 uh, if you're just doing a guesstimate at this time? Uh, he's not too far. He's probably around the 110, the 120 range. Mm -hmm. I'm not big on taking one of the top quarterbacks early unless, you know, one of them slides. Yeah. So I tend to have quarterbacks ranked a little lower than some other people. You can find a lot of great value later in the draft, in my opinion, especially in the quarterback um, market. 
like last year in a couple of drafts, I found Pat Mahomes late. I found um, Dak Prescott late, Andrew Luck late. Prescott really came on at the end of the year. So did Luck. Nice. So a lot of times you can find guys like that pretty cheap. But, you know, Ben's not going for a premium. Most people kind of almost are writing him off a little bit, just like they have been the past year or two. And you even seen it in the top 100 that just got released where he slid from think i think he was in the teens last year now slid down to 40 so i mean even some other people are starting to write him off but he's still putting up the numbers so it's hard to really argue against it yeah you're leading the league in six categories and you drop 30 spots in the rankings <laughs> so that's kind of yeah, amazing but you know right? it's 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 an objective science as well so you gotta you gotta respect at least the person's um ideas that are actually setting those lists like like it takes a lot of work you know i, I can't I can be upset as a fan of my team, but you know I understand that it also takes a lot of work to put a list like this together. So it's really, it's really interesting to me to, to be able to talk to you about you know the process of this and and how it's done. So that's really cool. Um, I also wanted to talk to you too about your list. Uh, how many rookies do you throw into the top 100? It's very hit or miss with rookies because obviously, like I said, they have to go into like the perfect situation, mm -hmm. and a lot of them don't. And most of them are running backs that end up up there just because running backs usually you have the best chance to succeed immediately. Mm -hmm. I have a couple up there. I have uh, David Montgomery. Uh -huh. um, I believe at the end I might be having Harris for the Patriots slide in there. I'd have to double check. Yeah, is that in KO? But um, I don't put – yeah, I have him up there. He's yeah, actually – I have him near the end too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's in there. He, he, he's, I think, in the mid-80s. Yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, and so there's I don't put a lot on there just because, like I said, they have to be in the right situation. Only running backs tend to have that right situation because if you're a running back being drafted pretty high, usually they want to focus you kind of like the Patriots with Sachelle last year, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and some of the other guys. You don't always have that right scenario. And also Josh Jacobs, obviously, I almost completely forgot him, but he just signed his contract and got into training camp with the Raiders on time. So he's definitely someone who's going to have a lot of uh, – opportunity immediately but overall not many i think that's only four that i might have in there just because especially with wide receivers you know you're not going to climb to the top of your depth chart very quickly nice did you want to get into your top 10 and, and read that off for the fans here on the radio oh yeah sure i definitely can great so i have it up in front of me right here and at number 10 i got a david johnson the running back for the cardinals Mm -hmm. He's kind of had a little bit of up and down years the past couple of years, but there's no denying that he's still very talented. And now with the offense that should be opened up a little more, as long as he stays healthy, I don't see how he doesn't put it together this year. And he's coming off with a big, big injury of, from last year or the previous year? Uh, the previous year. I believe he yeah. stayed relatively healthy last year, but he yeah. just, with with Josh Rosen at quarterback and the offense not really opening up much and a bad offensive line, you know, it just kind of all collapsed onto him. Yeah. So now that he has Kyler Murray and a new coach and a open more open offense i think they'll open up some spaces and he'll definitely be able to get and operate in some space to pick up those yards nice and, num and number nine i have james connor i know a lot of people yeah a lot of people on uh they'll be listening to this will probably be like oh he should be higher than that but you know i gotta be objective with mm -hmm. this i mean connor is definitely uh gonna be a running back one going to be carrying a lot of teams just like he did last year mm -hmm. except this year he's going to have a much higher price tag as many people picked him up as a free agent right before the season when they saw Le'Veon wasn't reporting yeah um Connor's got a great opportunity but you know he 
will be carrying a lot of the load, and I think they're going to try and keep him fresh a little bit with uh, Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. Nice. So he may just lose a little bit of the overall workload, but I definitely think he'll still be an elite pick. Good. Number eight, I got DeAndre Hopkins. It's hard oh, to argue. He great receiver. just puts out great numbers no matter who the quarterback is, and yeah. especially when the Sean's healthy. He just there's, – there's not many better out there mm-hmm. that – out of position, so it's hard to argue against him, and I could argue he should be the number one wide receiver on my list. I have one more higher up, so. Nice. Number seven, I got Melvin Gordon. He's mm-hmm. someone who could quickly slide depending on how his holdout goes. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So he's, when he's on the field, he always performs. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really miss too many games with injury. He's constantly scoring touchdowns, constantly up there leading the league in touchdowns the last two years, so. And he's in a very good offense that really doesn't sub him out too much. I know Eckler comes in every once in a while, but he definitely carries the load when he's healthy and out there. But if his holdout goes too much longer, he might have to get slid down some rankings, and uh, some of his backups may get slid up quite a bit. Yeah, and it, it looks like this is also the byproduct of the Le'Veon Bell effect. Uh, some some of the receiver or running backs this year are you know opting to stay out or, or opting to threat to hold out, and since Le'Veon Bell showed it can be done for an entire year, albeit that he was a, a franchise and not under contract. Um, it, it, the the punishments will be different um, what, between not signing your franchise tag and actually being under contract. So it'll be really interesting to see because I, I believe he is under contract currently and he's just trying to negotiate for a new one. Yeah, he's in the last year of his rookie deal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he's just trying to... He wants a deal done before the season to guarantee himself that he'll make his money in case uh, he hurts himself or mm-hmm. something goes wrong mm-hmm. along the way. He understands his workload, so he knows he's one of the most leaned-upon running backs in the league. Um, at number six, I got Devontae Adams. He is my wide receiver one coming into this year. Wow. You know, with him and Aaron Rodgers and that and new offense, you know, I think mm-hmm. the sky's the limit for them, too. They I don't think there is limits to them. I think they can honestly have a pretty special connection. And even in the, you know, capped offense they've had over the last couple of years, Devontae has still been a top five receiver, you know, pretty consistently. And last year, it didn't even matter if Aaron Rodgers was in there. Even when Brett Hundley and some other quarterbacks were throwing him passes, he was still performing. So he, I was kind of impressed. Great. You know, I had him last year. Mm-hmm. And even though he wasn't getting the, you know, elite quarterback play from Aaron Rodgers, he really didn't slow him down at all. just kept chugging along, and that was, you know, with a less creative offense, it'll get him, you know, a little less targets and a little less openings. But, you know, I think this offense will be great for Green Bay overall. Nice. At number five Mm -hmm. comes in Le'Veon Bell. I know some people (laughs) won't be happy to see him above Connor. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's no denying that Le'Veon's an extremely talented back. Still yes. one of the top two or three talents in the league at the running back position, in my opinion. And uh, for the Jets, they don't really have a great core of running backs behind them. And with a young quarterback and yeah. an offense that likes to lean on the run, got Adam Gates coming over from the Dolphins, likes to just pound the rock, kill the clock. Yeah. Did that with Frank Gore last year. Bell's going to have a ton of opportunities. I do think there is some bust potential with Le'Veon just because Adam Gase's offense is a slow, methodical offense. So I don't want to call it true bust, mm-hmm. but a chance to fall outside the top 10 just because I think he they may not get creative as 
you know, the Steelers did and Ben Rossberger getting creative and checking the ball down to him all the time. But I still think he's definitely going to put up numbers, whether it be volume-based or not. Yeah, and it may be tough for him to get back up to speed of the game since he's been out for over a year. So that'll be something that a lot of people will be may not take them with the first pick or might take another running back because, you know, he hasn't played in a year. And now we also have some information, I guess, that I heard some reports that he he had to take two drug tests like an hour apart. So that could be a factor as well. So if he, if he has to get held out for four games, I know that's de- definitely going to affect his draft status as well, if that's the case. But obviously we don't know for sure what that why the second test was was uh, initiated. Yeah, if that happens, that'll obviously knock him down quite a bit. You know, missing four games, especially during the season, you can really uh, derail your fantasy season if you don't have your star player there. But I'm sure there will be some people willing to take that chance. Yeah, true, true. Number four? Uh, Number four is Alvin Kamara. A lot of people think he might actually vault up and potentially be number one this year. Wow. Um, he, he, he's very talented and he's in a great offense. You know, Sean Payton really knows how to utilize him. He's got a great quarterback in Drew Brees and with the Saints' new emphasis on the run, you know, that they've kind of developed over the last year or two, it's hard to argue after the departure of Mark Ingram that he won't vault all the way up to number one. Mm. But I definitely think the Saints will play it smart. They know Kamara is one of their best offensive talents and I don't think they're going to kill him with, you know, too many too many carries and catches and just overall touches throughout the year. I think they'll be smart with him. He'll probably get a little uptick just because Latavius Murray, you know, is a little bit of an unknown compared to Ingram. Ingram had great success in that offense, but yeah. you know, there was rumors they're looking at Darren Sproles, you know, signing him back yeah, after yeah. he after he announced that he was uh, wants to keep playing. So mm-hmm. there might be some uh, touches being just lost here or there just to keep him fresh and that would be smart for the Saints part as well nice and number three uh, number three is Christian McCaffrey who seemed to be like the off-season workout warrior Ooh. constantly seeing pictures of his biceps <laughs> looking twice the size they were when he got drafted wow yeah he it looks like he's put on quite a bit of muscle and he's gonna need it I mean Carolina with him and Cam Newton, mm-hmm. you know, they have a hell of a running game and yeah. his ability to catch those passes out of the backfield. I was skeptical skeptical on him coming in the last season. You know, I you can ask uh, several people that were close to me. I was not the biggest fan of him, and he proved me wrong. He really just, you know, carried the load well and turned in a phenomenal season. And, you know, I don't think that's going away. So with Carolina wanting to make sure they protect Cam Newton and protect their future, it's Definitely going to be him carrying the load. Nice. And who's your number two? Number two, I got Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh. Yep. You know, one of those Ohio State grads. Yep. But um, Zeke, he just constantly grinds it out. Doesn't matter if, you know, he has to do it with eight, nine-man box. Doesn't matter if he has a soft box. Doesn't matter if he has to do it on a screen. I yeah. mean, Steelers fans saw him do it on a screen against them and oh, kept that long gosh. TD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he he's one of those guys. He's underrated as a receiver, in my opinion. He he can definitely catch the ball out of the backfield. A lot of people see him as just more of a pure runner, but mm-hmm. I think it's more just the Cowboys' offense not featuring him nearly as much in the passing game. But he's the Cowboys' offense, I think, is in for a big year. Ever since they traded for Amari Cooper during that midseason trade, yeah. their offense kind of took off. Dak kind of got a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. kind of opened up running lanes for Zeke, and they still got a very good line. They missed. They lost a piece or two, but they're still got a very good offensive line. So no doubt that 
he can uh, definitely carry load. And that wouldn't surprise me if he ended up number one at the end of the year at all. With that mm. offense, they're going to have a lot of leads with a playmaking defense. They'll probably lean on him quite a bit. Nice. Is there any um, any uh, girth, I guess, to the talk of him holding out as well? Have you heard anything about that? Um, there has been a lot less talk about his than there, as there has been Melvin Gordon. Yeah. But I definitely think, you know, if if he doesn't, you know, show up, it's going to knock him down on this list too. But I think the Cowboys are going to play it smart. They know their future is uh, Mari, Zeke, mm-hmm. and back on, on that offense. So it's yeah. going to be hard for them not to pay the bill, especially with uh, how the running back markets kind of got reset a bit with the Gurley, Bell, and uh, David Johnson's contract situations over the past year. So yeah. they know they're going to have to pay a top dollar for him. Nice. And the number one player in the Matt Piernick fantasy draft – would be Saquon Barkley. There's Ooh. no denying that he should really be uh, one of the top two picks in my mind. He's yeah, he's so talented. He did a lot last year with a little. Yeah, he, he's one of the few rookies that was drafted super high mm-hmm. in almost all drafts, and he just there's nothing on a football field he can't do from the running back position. Hell, you could probably stick him out wide; he'd probably still be a top ten receiver. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. he's he's going to be leaned on very heavily, especially with the absence of Odell. And the Giants starting to lose some receivers. You know, Corey Coleman, who was projected to be their number three going down with a torn ACL. Oh, wow. Shepard, broken finger. Yeah. Going to be out a couple of weeks. So mm. they're uh, – Giants are looking kind of scarce on offense, and people are worried about Barkley's workload. But, mm. you know, he's still young. He's – only a second year in the league, yeah. and he had, he handled the workload last year, and handled the workload at Penn State. So yes, he did. I I don't yeah. think he's one of those freak athletes. So I don't think it'll ever be really an issue with him. Yeah, that's amazing. Like your your point there is, it's a big point. Your number one player on your fantasy list is a player that was a rookie last year in his second year. That's that's you know it's, it says a lot to the quality of the player that this guy is, and and how effective he is. Like you're saying with little to work with they have a tough time with their line and they're still trying to rebuild their offensive line uh but also it's another great point that you were saying too matt if you're in an offense that's having trouble moving the football and you get some injuries at some of the receiver positions that does it it directly equates to the running back is going to get more touches so that's you know great whether it's out of the backfield catching the pass or whether it's running the rock so it's it's really great points for people you know locking in to try to get their their top picks is that's a big factor to take into account as well. Yeah, with the Giants especially, you know, I mean, they got Eli Manning, not the most mobile quarterback in the world, mm-hmm. not a lot of receivers out there. And if they decide to move to Daniel Jones, you know, they're going to want to protect them, not have them throw the ball a bunch. And when they do, they're going to want the ball out quick. So yeah. Barkley's just, no matter who's that quarterback for them, he's he's definitely going to be uh, in for a busy day. Nice. Nice. So to check out the rest of that top 100 fantasy football rankings, jump on to SteelerNation.com and click on Matt's article and give it a read and then give your opinions then comment at the bottom and you can tweet or Instagram Matt as well and discuss it. So that's pretty cool, Matt. Thanks a lot for doing that for Steeler Nation. Uh, No problem. And uh, as we get moved towards the season, I'm sure I'll keep updating and I'll probably add on to it too to get to the top 150 because I know some of those uh, late round picks become really important especially as you move toward the season and you see training camps start to wrap up and those preseason games come in. Those, those late-round picks tend to be some of the make-or-break picks throughout the year. Nice. Nice. 
So now I guess we can uh, turn our attention to training camp. And the first thing that always happens at training camp is people have to report. And for the most part, it was a pretty quiet training camp. I, I wanted to touch base a little bit on the only loud reporting, I guess, in training camp it was uh, Eli Rogers coming in on a big rig and uh, dressed for work. And I know uh, some of the people out there, some of the reporters out there, I, I, I think kind of gave him a raw deal and a knee jerk to being, you know, oh, look at the showboat coming in. Who's this guy? He's oh, injured all last year, barely played. You know, look at his me first attitude. But I, I took it a completely opposite way when I saw him coming in. And I saw him coming in, you know, what's more blue collar than a tractor trailer? And having, the, you know, one of your friends or family members or fans that is a truck driver driving you to training camp to start you off, that's a story for them to tell. And secondly, he came out dressed in blue collar construction worker clothes, ready to work. I think that was more like, like a, a metaphor of like what he was trying to do is show like, hey, Steeler fans, we're here, we're ready to work. As opposed to, you know, it was a little grandiose, but still, I, I think the message was more of a positive message. And, and from what I hear as well is the reason, one of the reasons why it was so grandiose is to make it so Juju can kind of sneak in the back door and not have to meet with any press as well because Juju's there to work. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Steeler Nation got kind of used to all the big entrances coming in last year. You know, yeah. AB always is famous for that. And while it was fun for the fans, it did kind of sometimes take away mm -hmm. from, you know, the attitude of we're here to work. And I'm not knocking AB at all for that. He definitely put in his work, so it's not like he, you know, that took away from his work. But yeah. I think since all that other stuff wasn't going on, Eli definitely kind of got a little bit of a, a little bit of a harsh first welcoming for it, even though it's probably not deserved, kind of like you said. He, yeah. he was trying to show he was here to work, and he was having a little bit of fun with it. Yeah. And I'm all fine. I'm all fine and good for having a little bit of fun in those situations. Yeah. I just think people wanted – they saw others being very serious, and, you know, he just kind of got mixed up in something that probably really was nothing. Yeah, it was no helicopter. It was no custom Rolls Royce. It was no hot air balloon, as what happened for AB reporting to Raiders camp this year in a hot air balloon. Uh, which I think is a fun metaphor because a hot air balloon requires hot air and has a lot of hot air uh, to uh, <laughs> to operate, and that's kind of a metaphor yeah. for uh, for his online ego uh, on uh, that Steeler Nation has kind of gotten used to uh, uh, absorbing from AB. But fortunately, you know he's he's out. He's somebody else's problem now. We can kind of chuckle at it now and enjoy it for what it is, and just know that we don't have to deal with it as fans. So that's that's great. And looking at the team thus far, I mean, uh, we've had a couple injuries heading into camp. I know I uh, I always keep track of the injuries every year. I do a roster breakdown that, that tracks all the injuries and suspensions and inactive players for game day and fines. And you can find that at SteelerNation.com in the forums. In the football forum, it's stickied at the top. So if you want to click on that and check out that um, that spreadsheet, I update it almost daily as new information comes out on injuries and, and roster moves. Um, and it's just a nice resource if you just want to check out on Steeler players or what's going on and trying to figure out who's playing, who's going to play each week. Um, but thus far, the, the biggest news of, of camp so far was entering camp, and it was right after the conditioning. They decided to put T.J. Watt on the pup. And I'm not as worried about that move because you can only put a player on the, the pup, which is the physically unable to play to participate uh, list 
if you haven't actually participated in practice yet. So it's a way to kind of shelf a player. You can bring him back at any time, and it still gives you the option of bringing in another player in his place then because it doesn't count against the, uh, the people in, in camp since he's on the pup. Uh, so I thought it was a good move. They're saying it was hamstring tightness. You know, I, I'm not thinking it's going to be a huge deal. Two weeks max, maybe four if it's going to push it. But that would still slot him to return right around game three uh, of the preseason. So and that's when the, the starters normally get to get their most play anyway. So it would be nice. But it would be nice to see him put in a couple snaps in, in preseason. Um, uh, moving on, at least there's only two other injuries of note thus far. Uh, Johnny Holton, which is a receiver they picked up um, off from free agency this year. It looks like a, a deep threat. He's um, missed some time with a hamstring as, as well, and it, that appears to be minor. But he hasn't been able to participate uh, too much in practice, and he really needs to since he's a, a Z receiver that's trying to make waves, and he's got to have somebody push in Washington as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can return back to camp. And then yesterday... We just had Sean Davis get injured with a finger, and it seems um, every training camp we're getting Sean Davis with a some kind of, of injury or nagging injury here and there. It was, you know, soft tissue injuries with hamstrings in previous years, but this year's the finger. But fortunately, as you can probably play with pain with a finger, and but we'll see if they're going to be more proactive and, and keep him out until he can completely heal since it's training camp and they know he's going to be a starter, or if they're going to to say, hey, can you play with pain, or if he, or if it's his decision that, hey, I can play with this pain, and he'll come back out. But that'll be interesting to see. But at least, you know, we've got some younger players getting some reps, especially since we are unsure with that safety depth right now entering the camp, since they didn't really grab a whole lot of, ma make a whole lot of waves in free agency, uh, or the draft, and they, but they picked up a, a, a couple people here and there from uh, undrafted free agents to help compete for this list. And uh, moving on then to, to the matchups, ha have you been keeping up on Camp News at all then, Matt? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, you know, it's only been uh, three. I believe the fourth day was today. So, you know, there's definitely some news pouring in, especially as you see some of the um, camp battles kind of working their way out. Are there any camp battles that you're excited about? Uh, there's a few. You know, obviously one of the higher profile ones has been uh, the – um, Switzer versus Eli Rogers one. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think that there's only going to be one roster spot for them too. I wouldn't be totally surprised if they kept, kept them both, but I yeah. do think they are at least for a prominent role. They are definitely fighting for one spot there considering they're kind of very similar players. Yeah. And then, uh, the Mark Barron and versus, uh, Devin Bush, I think is more of a battle than most people will probably, you know, want to acknowledge because, mm -hmm. Barron sat out for a little bit, and so Devin Bush has been getting a lot of the reps, but I believe Barron was back at practice today, and he took the majority of first-team reps over him next to Vince Williams. So nice. I don't think Bush is going to be handled that, handed that job like a lot of people think he will. Yeah, he's got to earn it, sounds like. Definitely. And then some other smaller ones, you know, you got Artie Burns versus Cam Sutton. Sutton's yeah. been performing well, and Burns is supposedly performing a lot better than what he has in years past. So, mm -hmm. you know, obviously – that secondary is a big issue for that – or not a big issue, but it's been an issue for the Steelers in the past. You know, they went out and signed Steven Nelson, you know, trying to shore it up, but mm -hmm. still got to put three, four, five cornerbacks on the field at a time. So it's yeah. just because you sign uh, one to pair next to Joe Hayden doesn't mean the other ones won't see playing time. Yeah, it's true. 
That's definitely true. I'll tell you who I'm looking forward to seeing in uh, in training camp. At least that I'm starting to hear some some news about. And one is uh, Ola Deni- Ola Adenii, and he's really starting to make some waves. He was making waves last year in training camp, and um, made great showings on the field in the preseason games. But um, from Alex Kazura from um, Steeler uh, Depot, he he's been stating that that he's just appears to be unblockable out there on the field and. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Alex Kazora, but he's a he's a bit of a gem among uh, Steelers writers. He actually sits there in all of the practices and writes down a lot of the matchups, every single play when they start doing the seven v sevens and when they start getting into the goal lines. Um, he also tracks the backs on backers and, and tracks a, keeps an eye on the receivers as well, and he gives a play by play breakdown for each one. So if you're looking for in depth news. Um, yeah, Alex Kazor is a good a good person to either follow him on Twitter or go to read as well um, for that type of news. But he's been mentioning that Ole Denei has been you know flashing quite a bit as well as a few receivers in camp. Both of the Deontes are doing well, but the rookie Johnson and Spencer are, they both made some big waves in minicamp and OTAs, and and they're starting to make some some plays as well in training camp. So it's good to hear that the young receivers and the new receivers are getting in there and making some plays as well because it's going to take a lot of receivers to replace what A.B. did. And um, and this is one way to, to help replace it is to bring in a lot of talent and to spread the ball around. Yeah, and like you said, the biggest thing will be those young receivers stepping up behind uh, Juju and Dante. Yeah. Um, even Juju and Dante, I mean, they're still young receivers in their own right. Juju's yeah. in his third year, I believe Dante's in what Dante may be a little older in his fifth or sixth year by yeah. now, but I mean, he's, he's by no means, you know, a seasoned veteran. So, nope. you know, they have a young core all around. So having, you know, younger receivers win that third or fourth receiver battle. I mean, you're putting guys out there that, you know, a lot of these defenses that they'll see thrown at them will be the first time they play against them some of the extravagant looks that teams throw out nowadays. So it's yeah. definitely going to be a learning, a quick learning period, hopefully, for them over the first couple of weeks of the season. And you're right. They got a lot younger because losing Darius Hayward Bay and Antonio Brown and Justin Hunter, I mean, those were players with a lot of years in the league. And you're right. Uh, Moncrief is the longest uh, player in the league currently on the wide receiver scene. I think he's had five years. Um, and now uh, the longest tenured Steeler is Eli Rogers. Um, I think he's been on the team since 2016. So you've got a lot of young bucks coming up here trying to make waves and, and make a name for themselves on this team, which is really going to be interesting for camp and, and for, for depth and seeing who's going to make the final roster. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting, that's for sure, as we move towards the beginning of the year because some of these guys that may be making an impression in the first days of camp may start to fizzle out a little bit. I know one of those guys was Damon Patterson last year yeah. out of Youngstown State. He, oh, yeah. he put in a big camp, but they didn't hold on to him long term. So I'm just excited to see who all makes it out of camp. That's true. I think he's in New England Patriots camp this year. I know they picked him up. Um, off of the off of the waivers, uh, sometime I don't I don't remember if it was at the end of the year or sometime during the year as to put him on the practice squad, but um, he he did make waves early and then he he just kind of fizzled out. But the Patriots saw something in him said, we'll we'll see if he ended up making that roster because there is some some room to wiggle onto that roster being their their wide receivers uh, and then the turnover there. Definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to discuss then before we close out? Uh, you know, as the day, as the training camp opens and we move through these days, I'm sure there'll be plenty to discuss and, uh, 
you know, I'm just excited that the season's underway and we can start talking about this all again because I was uh, getting a little uh, stir-crazy sitting there talking about the same off-season stuff over and over again <laughs> as, uh, as the days went by because a lot of the stories kept, uh, you know, circulating back through because it's like, oh, well, how's Ben going to do this year with the young core? How's this yeah. going to change? Is the So I'm just excited for this year and excited to actually get this uh, show on the road and, you know, once we get to the preseason games, that's when we'll really see uh, how this all plays out. Yeah, and I'm with you too. I'm I'm happy that this team seems to be writing a new story, and this new story seems to be we're a team, we're focused on winning, we want to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think that we've heard that unified message for years. Um, so it's a, been a nice change for the last couple off seasons, having some problems with Antonio Brown, some problems with Le'Veon Bell. This is a breath of fresh air. It's re-energized me as a fan, and, and I'm really excited and really excited to read up on the Steeler news as well with the training camp and what's going on in training camp currently and see how these guys come together in jail to form the team that's going to be the 2019 Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Matt, thanks a lot for coming on and, jo- and, and, and joining me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate your insight, and I really appreciated you you know, breaking down your fantasy picks as well. So it's, it's really great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I hope I can uh, join again in the future. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about in the world of football, especially around the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. So it's definitely a well, a pleasure being on with you. Yeah, we definitely will. I, I know our fantasy guys will need your advice coming up on draft time, and also coming up on playoff time as well as some midseason moves and, and to see uh, um, who who would be some value picks here and there. So I, I think that would be a great idea to join us back. So thanks a lot, Matt. No problem. Hey, Steeler fans. Be sure to come to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum and Steelers news on the Internet. Tweet us at SteelerNation or Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Thanks for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stoney's Brewing. I'm G. Stryker with Matt Papiernik, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!